This is a Sport Australia podcast production. Hello and welcome to our coaching and officiating podcast series. My name is Cam Trudell and I'm the project lead for coaching and officiating at Sport Australia. Over this series, we will look at what it takes to modernise Australia's coaching and officiating system. Each podcast, we will be joined by a special guest who will share experiences and practical tips on their topics. Today, we're fortunate to be joined by Lauren Jackson, former Australian Opals basketball legend, WNBA, WNBL player, Naismith Hall of Fame member, Sport Australia Hall of Fame board member, and who is currently the head of women's basketball and girls strategy at Basketball Australia. Lauren made her debut for Australia at the Sydney 2000 Olympics and has really done it all in basketball from playing at the elite level in Australia and overseas to coaching the Albury Bandits women's team. Lauren, welcome to the podcast. I'll jump straight into our first question. So as you're going up, your mum was one of your coaches and clearly very influential to what happened. Do you remember any other coaches in those years as you were coming through or even not coaches, uh, someone else who sort of sat to the side but was influential to you? Yeah, no, I definitely do. Um, There was a guy named Eric Kivy who was a coach from Wollongong. And for me, I really – his demeanour and his manner and the way that he treated us and he was so respectful and just a really caring guy, you know. Um, I loved him. He was one of my favourite coaches, you know. And I think that it's funny because it's sort of the other end of the the spectrum. Tom Ma was one of my other favourite coaches of all time and he was completely the opposite. There was nothing really gentle about him. So I kind of responded to there was a quality in, in these coaches and I think it might have been that kindness piece, like because Tom underneath it all was was kind and he wanted the best for his athletes. But but Eric, especially as a junior, I think I was probably 14 the first time I played under him, he, I just remember this really gentleness about him um, and the way that he spoke and this calmness, which I didn't have. Like I was not a calm kid. <laughs> but when other people were calm, that made me feel better. So he um, and my mum, my mum had that trait as well. Like nothing really rattled her ever. And they weren't nasty. They didn't make us do completely outrageous things as youngsters. Like I had coaches having us do 50 push-ups before every training session and like just random stuff, you know, when you're kids. (laughs) Even at state level, I just, I think that there's sort of, a really fine line between ensuring that those kids are happy and safe and having fun and also able to perform like at the level you need them to perform at. And that's, to me, that's probably the biggest challenge, particularly with, you know, state coaches and things like that. Um, You know, so state under 16 and under 18s, like it's really making sure that those kids are happy and they're enjoying their experience because otherwise they're going to drop out. You know, they won't continue on, which is, you know, what unfortunately what happened to all of my friends. You talked about his kindness and so on. Can you take us to what would one of his sessions look like? So what would the environment be like at one of his sessions? So you talk about him as a person. How did that work in the team environment? How did that sort of manifest itself? To be truthfully honest, I really don't remember, like the on-court stuff. I remember levels of accountability, and this is what my mum had as well, was as much as it was an environment where we felt safe, where we felt comfortable and everything like that, there was accountabilities. Like you had to, you know, 
they'll be kind and they'll be everything that you need them to be. But when you step on the basketball court, you go hard, right? You give it everything you've got. And oh, it was funny because my Hall of Fame thing the other couple of weeks ago, one of my best friends from Albury it was over here and she's now an under 14 coach of her daughter, but she was also my teammate when my mum was coaching. So we were watching all of these old basketball games from, you know, like under 12 state championships and Brody, she said something about mum being tough and as tough she was tough. Like she was definitely a tough coach. She expected the best from her, from her girls, you know, but as soon as that game was over, there wasn't the, the concept, like there wasn't that real anger. You know, if we lost, it was more about nurturing, like knowing that we felt that loss just as deeply as what the coach did or as anybody else did. And I think that's, it's a really fine line to juggle because I think a lot of people who haven't played at any level of sport who come into sport, it's, not knowing how to deal with those moments like after a hard loss or after a big win and you think you're on cloud nine and then you've got to back up two or three hours later at community sport and you get thumped, you know, like it's it's a really fine line to juggle um, kids. And, yeah, the coaches that I had, particularly in juniors, they knew how to, a lot of them knew how to do that um, and a lot of them didn't. And the ones that knew how to, they've stuck with me. So You're looking to coach your own kids as they come through. What sort of coach will you be? Like, we've got this image of what we are and what we want to see. What attributes do you think that you will bring to that community level, knowing that you've played at that very, very highest level for a long time? What are the ways that you will sort of distill that for the community game, do you think? I think that just giving the kids the opportunity to get out on the court and play their hearts out, but also in an environment where they're not going to get shouted at. They're not, they're going to feel safe and feel like, they're involved in something bigger than themselves. So, you know, I think that that calmness thing is a really big piece. I think a lot of kids deal with a lot of stuff at home, at school, you know, the basketball court, um, that environment needs to be a place where they feel safe, where they feel like they can be themselves, where they feel like they've got teammates who've got their back, they've got friends, um, there's adults that care about them. And I think that's that's what I want to be able to bring. You know, I performance and outcomes are so important. Of course they are. Everybody, you know, that otherwise we wouldn't play sport, right? But at that level, when kids are young, it is about ensuring that they are able to develop in an environment that is safe. And that to me is probably the biggest thing about community basketball. Not to say I wouldn't, I, I'll have expectations. If we're training hard, you're going to go out there and play hard. But it's First and foremost, they've got to enjoy it. They've got to have fun and they've got to stay in the game. We've got to give them that pathway. I like what you're saying with regards to, you know, you create the structure, but off the back of structure, there's always mistakes. There's always opportunities. There's things for people to then make those instinctive decisions. I kind of like the fact that as well as you drill, there's always a plan B because it becomes available because that's what happens because sport's messy. It really is. No, that's it's so true. So I think it's how you, I guess, structure your practices to make sure that you you're drilling the the things that you're you can't control. You know, blocking out, rebounding, shooting, back cuts, setting screens, pick and rolls. Like you can't anticipate what defense is going to be played or if they're going to be defensive players at all. You know, you you don't know. So I think that um, it really does come down to the things that you implement in practice. And I guess even just highlighting a few different aspects of the game that you want the kids to work on and they can do it at home. 
Like a lot of this stuff, they can pick up a ball in the backyard, which is what how I grew up playing was in my backyard. Um, or the little kid down the road here is like out the front dribbling the ball every single day. He's just got a ball in his hand. And I think if you're doing that, you've got a ball in your hand, you're just tossing up shots, you're naturally just going and rebounding and, and seeing where the ball's going to fall, you know. So there's a lot of, I think, just being able to have a ball in your hands and just doing stuff with it, it gives you an idea of um, what gameplay is going to be like. And, and a lot of that just comes from literally just having a ball in your hands. Some of that creativity that comes from kids is remarkable to watch. Did that ever come into play? Like, did you ever, the shots that you were making at the top, were you ever making those shots as a kid? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, my mum gave me a drill, one drill when I was a kid, you know, and I, and she's always said to me, just get your mic and right, mic and and reverse mic and underneath the basket. And to the day I retired, I was doing that every single day before every single game, before every single practice, because it ensured like it ensured that I just got my touch. I just got my rhythm. And it's sometimes that's all it takes is just getting in your rhythm. You know, so I think some of those drills and look, I was so fortunate to have my mum who who had played at that level. And I guess she, she's got a basketball brain, right? So I think, you know, I think that stuff comes pretty naturally to us. But I, I would say that you know, having a sort of go-to drill or something that can center a child before a game, just bring their focus to the basketball game. That is critical, you know, and, and that, and it's different for all kids, you know? Um, so it is, it is a bit like education. It's literally finding out what the motivation is, how you can center a kid, how you can focus them. It might be one word. For me, it was having the ball in my hand, just doing my can drill under the ring. So yeah, it was, that's, yes, definitely. I had that one drill, that one thing in the backyard. I wanted to know if that move that was your go-to, was that your pet play, that that's what you went to first or? No, it wasn't my pet play. It was um, it was like, so if I got a rebound underneath the basket, which happened a lot, right, I just would go up and finish, right? So it was more of a finishing play. So if you're underneath the basket where I was most of my career, that was what I would go to. And getting that feel for the basketball before a game, um, it gives you the confidence, I guess, that you're not going to tank it. And then also it was a focus thing, right? It snapped me into gear. Like as soon as I started doing my can, I knew that, you know, I was about to be either competing and training or in a game. And then as I got older, it just became a flow thing. It was just getting getting into my flow, just re refocusing and resetting. And also too with my injuries and things like that, often my body was you know, not great. And I, I had to sort of find a way to, I guess, just feel good. And that made me feel good. You know, I think my go-to was like a three-pointer, like at the end of a clock. But the thing is they become your go-to because you do them so much. And drilling is just so important. And learning that routine, uh, especially from a really young age, becomes so important later in your career. You, you said propping up a three-pointer. Is that out of the fact that you wouldn't do it in the middle of a quarter? However, you can do it right at the end on the crux because if you hit, it's it's gold. If you miss, no one's really expecting you to hit it if it's uh, right in the buzzer. Look, I, you know, it's same with Mike and I, I sort of had a bit of a shooting routine um, and I, I would shoot, um, and again, this was again toward the end of my career when I was older. I couldn't do a lot of the five-on-five training stuff and the and the pounding so much. But I would shoot, I'd get up 200, 300 shots a day and um, the majority of them were threes and um, or jumpers or, you know, just because that's all I could do. So the, all, I, if I, all I could do physically was shoot. I was going to shoot as much as I could and it turned out I became a much better shooter when I got a lot older um, than I was when I was younger. But, 
Mum was really incredible um, when I was younger because I, I do remember her saying to me, if you can make a three, you'll go as far as you can in the sport because big people don't shoot outside the paint. Like that's why I think my career uh, went in the direction it did was because I had those skills and my mum was the one that encouraged me to learn sort of guard skills um, as a big so I was really lucky that I had just her guidance and her support. And, look, I fought her every step of the way as a kid. I really did. She'd be like, go out and shoot your shots, and I'd say, no, no way. Get off my back. Don't talk to me about basketball. Like I was a hard kid to to be around, but um, the, some of the lessons that she gave me have stuck with me for the rest of my life. Do you remember your coaches, or what they encouraged you or how they encouraged you when you were growing up on those moves? You were a finisher you get the ball, your job is to get that ball in that hoop any way that you can. Do you remember the trial and error around working out the different ways of doing that? Honestly, I was missing out on basketball teams up until I was 13 years old. And then at 13, I got picked um, on Australian junior camp. I turned 14 at the camp and then I was, you know, on the pathway. I was within a year or two, I was in the national squad. But up until 13, I, I was missing out on, I missed out on a Riverina team, you know, like that, I, I didn't, it didn't come naturally that finishing off and I did overthink things and I was anxious about everything, but it was the way that I dealt with that. And I played a lot better with my mother as coach because I felt safe underneath her. She was someone, even though she was tough, she brought out the best in me. So I, I would say that it does take time. And that's why with kids, you can't be hard on them because this is where they develop. This is where they get to that point where you know, when they become 13 or 14 or 15, things start to click in. If they've been doing the work, regardless of whether they're making the plays at the end of the game, making teams or whatever, if they've been doing the work, this is when that stuff starts to really, you see it happen, you see it evolve. So even in maturation, if you're looking at the maturation rates of kids as they come through systems or they come through just their, their normal growth spurts, those ones that have got those micro skills, as they get into maturation when everyone else catches up, they tend to be the ones that thrive because they're not reliant on their speed, their power from a young age where they dominate, therefore they don't need those micro skills. And then when they get there, they can then thrive because they've got now the, the size, the speed, the power, uh, or just the physical capability along with those micro skills as well, which really help the game. Like I wasn't even the tallest on our team here in Albury, you know, up until I was I, probably 12, I reckon. Um, I had teammates who now come up to my below my boob, you know, and uh, they were taller than me when we were 10, 11, you know. So it's um, kids, they mature differently. So being able to give them a more complete skill set from a young age and having them do all the different things, not sort of putting them into a box is really helpful. Thank you so much for sharing some incredible insights with us today, Lauren. Really appreciate it. The insight into creating a positive, safe learning environment for participants at the entry level and what it can mean to not just high performance sport, but also how it can help grow people through their lives has been incredible. Thanks very much. Thank you for joining me today. If you'd like to find out more about coaching officiating or have any feedback or questions, please email us at workforce at sportoz.gov.au. My name is Cam Trudell and I look forward to you joining me for the next podcast in the Coaching and Officiating series.